Well, take your Bibles this morning, open them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Would you please stand in honor of God's Word as it is read? And before I read it, would you pray with me the prayer on the screen? Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Bethlehem. I will be your tour guide today. What an honor it is to serve you. My name is Johan, and I will be delighted to give you the inside scoop of the little village of Bethlehem. What a beautiful day you've chosen to come today here in Bethlehem in December. We have good weather today. Should be a high of 59 degrees, supposed to be mostly sunny, light breeze out of the northeast at 7 miles an hour, and it'll be a beautiful day for you to see the place where the Christ child was born. So welcome. We're delighted to have you here. Let me ask, how many of you tourists here today, how many of you have been to Bethlehem before? Anyone? Oh, a couple of you. Wonderful. That is wonderful. That's great. Well, for the rest of you, you are in for a treat today. I will take you on a tour, and I will tell you what most people don't know. I have three goals in my tour of Bethlehem, and those three goals are this. Goal number one, to separate the fact from the fiction about the little village of Bethlehem. Goal number two, goal number two is to answer the question, why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? Why would Jesus be born in Bethlehem? Most people don't know. And goal number three is to make sure before you leave, you understand the lesson of Bethlehem. So, let us begin our journey. As you can see today, Bethlehem is a modern small town. Population about 20,000 people. Not a huge town, but a good town. And so you've joined us, uh, obviously many crowds here today, given the Christmas season. Lots of people coming, want to worship in the Church of the Nativity. Others want to be in Nativity Square. And so, welcome to this place. Now, as you gather here, you'll notice in our little town that we need to separate 
the fact from the fiction. So look at our modern town. In our town of 20,000 people, we have hotels. We have approximately 30 hotels to serve you here in this town. Our most famous hotel is Jakutur Palace, the oldest hotel and the most famous hotel in Bethlehem today. Maybe some of you had the privilege of spending the night there last night. There are popular destinations. Of course, the most popular destination is the Church of the Nativity. I'm sure you will get there later today. But there are other popular places. There is the Milk Grotto, which is the place the Holy Family, according to tradition, hid when Herod sent the troops to kill the infants as they hid to make their flight out towards Egypt. There is the cave next door to that grotto where St. Jerome translated the Bible into Latin, which became the most used version across Christianity for over a thousand years, called the Vulgate, and people love to see that. And of course, there's the marketplace, the, the Bethlehem marketplace, where you should stop. Oh, you can buy souvenirs and things made only here, out of the finest wood, and who wouldn't want to own a nativity set bought in Bethlehem itself? So there are many things to see here. The name Bethlehem, some think it means house of bread. There's a little bit of debate about that. Christians would like to think it means house of bread because they know Jesus is the bread of life. And what better place to be born than in the house of bread? Others think it is meant that it was the town of Ham. And it was named after a man. We don't know for sure. That's lost to history. What did it mean? It doesn't get too cold here, unless the place you're from is maybe warmer. In the dead of winter, it might get as low as 54 degrees on a normal day. In the heat of summer, 86 degrees. You, sir, where are you from? You have to speak up. <laughs> Miss Shaw. That doesn't sound very biblical. <laughs> That's okay. Is it cold where you're from? Ice cold. Well, then you will enjoy it here. 59 degrees today, it'll be warm. Yes. And so, it is a good place. But the place you see today, the houses, the 30 hotels, the people that are here, this is modern Bethlehem, not ancient Bethlehem. And that's where most people start to get confused. They read the modern times back into the ancient times. Ancient Bethlehem is a small little village some scholars think it is as small as 300 people. Others think maybe as large as 2,000 people. But that's not very large. 300 to 2,000. Not very big. Not very many people. Sir, you, you, you say you're from where? And how many people live in this? Yeah, that place. Ah, so big city. Big city, yeah. Do you live by any small little towns of maybe a thousand? Osceola. Osceola is a thousand people? Somebody, somebody have their phone? They check that population of Osceola. Who has a phone? Who has a phone? Somebody have a phone? Somebody have a phone? Population Osceola. When you find that you wave at me, you let us know how big Osceola is. All right? Because maybe that will help you understand how big Bethlehem is. You know, 300 to 2,000 people. 
So somebody with the phone, you just wave at me when you get the answer, okay? Oh, we have an answer over here, yes. 2,500 people in Osceola. Well, there you go, just a little bit bigger of Bethlehem, maybe at its biggest. Bethlehem, not the big place. So let's go back in time in our minds. In the biblical days, Bethlehem, small village, 300 to 2,000, which means this. There is no Holiday Inn in Bethlehem. There is no Marriott or Hampton, no place like that to stay. And that confused many people, because you'll remember that in a moment when we talk about where Mary and Joseph stay. So here in Bethlehem, the first thing is to realize it is a small town. Most people think of a busy, bustling city. True, if you read the Bible account, and the Bible will be your passport to Bethlehem today. If you read the Bible account, it says a census was taken, and so the population went up. But still imagine, say 500 people live in Bethlehem. Say you double the population. Wow, a thousand. It's still a tiny little place. There aren't a lot of people. And what they don't realize is that when they come to Bethlehem, they want to travel the journey Mary and Joseph went. And they wonder, and they picture in their mind Mary and Joseph coming into this little town, and they find the first hotel, which, remember, 500 to 2,000 people. Do you think there's a, a Marriott to knock on the door? No. But we picture this. Mary and Joseph come to town. They knock on the door of an inn, and they say, we need a room for the night. And the innkeeper says, I'm sorry, we're full because of the census. So they go down the road to the next door. They knock on the door, and they say, we need a room. And the innkeeper says, oh, I'm sorry, there's no space. Probably somewhere else. And so they go to the next place. And finally somebody says, we have no room, but we have a stable out back. You can go there and stay there. And that's the picture most people have in their mind. And then as soon as they get bedded down in the stable, Mary goes into labor pains, and she gives birth to the Christ child. But it's interesting. It's really not what Luke says, is it? Look at the Bible. If you have your Bibles, which are your passport to Bethlehem, you'll notice that it says in Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 4, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the house, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Did you notice something there? It doesn't say when they arrived. It says while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Most likely, the fact is that Mary and Joseph were already in town, and they were already staying somewhere, and they had been there for a couple days, maybe a week, maybe a month. We do not know. All we know is Luke says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And so maybe she wasn't having labor pains as they were riding into town. Maybe she had already been there several days. And it says then, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the inn. Ah, see, you've heard about Bethlehem. You've heard about the inn. But that's interesting. That's an interesting word. No room in the inn. Uh, sir, do you speak Greek? No, neither do I. Neither do I. No, Hebrew, Arabic, no Greek. That's okay. I assume most of you don't speak Greek, but you want to know something interesting. Scholars tell us this little word here, this little word, there was no room for them in the, what's the word? In. Yeah, that little word there, they say in Greek, that word can mean an inn like a hotel. Said more likely if it refers to a place many people stay, then it refers to a public house. Just a large shelter where travelers could spend the night, multiple people. But Luke doesn't use the word in that way. Ironically, when Luke talks about a hotel or an inn, he has an entirely different word. Like when he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Have you heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Do you remember the man gets beaten? And eventually a good Samaritan comes by and helps him out and takes him to an inn or a hotel and says, pays the man and says, take care of him and feed him and allow him to get well. That is a different word in Luke's gospel than this word. This word here gets used later in Luke's gospel. It's used when Jesus tells his disciples on the night before he is arrested, they celebrate the Last Supper, and they do it in the upper. Ah, that word there, same word here. The upper room, the guest room of a house. And so we often tend to think of Mary and Joseph finding an old-fashioned version of a Holiday Inn, but maybe not so much. Maybe they ask for a guest room. And it says that there was no room for them in the guest room. And so we discover the town is different than what we thought. It is smaller. The time is different than what we thought. Maybe they had been there several days. And the location is maybe different than we thought. Maybe it is not a hotel. In fact, there is a good chance that they are staying with family or friends when they come into Bethlehem. They're staying in the guest room along with many other people, and all of a sudden, when she goes into labor, they determine that they need to find a place of privacy and that there isn't room to add a baby to the guest room that's already full because of the census. And so, maybe you need to have a tour of an ancient Israelite house. You see, houses back then are not like houses today. There are no basements to put people in. And sometimes, though, there is upstairs. So let me tell you three types of houses in the ancient world. House number one, two-story home, okay? A two-story house is where you come in through a little opening into a courtyard area, and down there are the animals. And then up above is where the people live. And there would be one room for the family and another room be the guest room for travelers. Maybe Mary and Joseph were in that type of house where they were in a guest room that was full of people. And when the baby was born, they decided to go downstairs where the animals were and to wait down there and to keep the baby there because of the overcrowding in the room above. 
So there's a two-story house. Then the other two types of houses are single-story houses. The first single-story house has three parts. So you can imagine part one, part two, and part three. Each part has an opening, a doorway, you might say, into it with a wall separating each part. Part number one, for the animals. That's where the animals go. Part number two, for the family. Part number three, for the guest, each with their own entrance. Interesting, part number, the middle part, part number two and part number three, they have a wall between them for privacy made out of stone. But between the family and the animals, they only have a half a wall so that they can actually lean over and feed the animals and care for them from their own house. And maybe Mary and Joseph were staying here with a crowd of people in guest room. Baby came to be born, so they went for privacy over here, and then they kept the baby in the feeding trough right next to the half wall and stayed with the family. So they could hear the baby and care for it right next door. So that's house number two. House number three is the one according to tradition. And tradition goes back thousands of years that Jesus was born in a cave. Some houses were built next to a cave. They have room for guests. They have room for family. Then they have the cave for the animals. And they would stay there. And that is where the Church of the Nativity is that you should go and visit. And like over the old cave where according to tradition, Jesus was placed in there. But odds are no holiday inn. No, not that way. Probably the guest room was too full of people to add a baby to it. And so you have to separate the fact from the fiction. A modern city versus a little tiny village that even with guests was still little and tiny. You have to separate the time frame. We think Mary having the baby as she rides into town. Maybe she'd been there a couple days. And we think of a hotel. And maybe instead we should think of a guest room on a house of family or friends. So you have to separate, as you can see, the fact from the fiction. Now, I told you I would tell you a second area, and that is why Bethlehem? Do you ever wonder, why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? None of you got to choose probably where you were born. But God chose where Jesus was born. And God did it on purpose. There are two main reasons. Luke gives us one. Matthew gives us the other. In Luke, we discover why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The reason for that is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to establish royalty. Do you notice verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of, not Mishawaka, to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. You see, Luke wants you to understand Jesus is of the line of the great king of Israel, David, and the rightful heir to Israel's throne. 
the promised one. Because God had promised David, if you go in the Old Testament, you see he promised David in 1 Samuel 7, 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And Luke wants us to understand Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise to David. And so he highlights it many times. Back in chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, he said, the angel says to Mary, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Even Zechariah in his song says, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And when the angels show up to the shepherds, what do they say? Today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. The point is that the baby of Bethlehem is the king of kings. That is what Luke wants you to understand. And the king who comes in fulfillment to David's royal line. Matthew, on the other hand, takes a slightly different route. Matthew emphasizes that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. Because the prophet Micah had said, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over my people Israel. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy from 400 years earlier. Now, most tour guides, most tour guides, they stop there. But I, Johann, your tour guide, I give you more bang for your buck when you come to Bethlehem. Most just give you the two main points. But I want you to know there's other secondary points, the reasons why Jesus was born there. For example, I believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem to reveal his humility. Think how humble the Son of God must be to give up heaven and be born not in Jerusalem, not in a palace, but born in a humble stable in humility. And Luke seems to highlight not only was he humble, but he came to serve those who are humble and poor. Paul put it this way. You remember your apostle Paul? He said, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to display sovereignty You'll notice the reason he was in Bethlehem is because in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, censuses were taken for one reason, taxation. Sir, sir, down there, do, do, do they have taxes in your Mishawaka? Taxes. Taxes everywhere. And so even in Bible times, taxes. That's why they take census. They want to know who's there to get their money. So they, that's the whole reason they do a census. And so they have a tax. What's ironic is that here the ruler of the world, Caesar Augustus, who rules over the entire Roman Empire, he thinks he is the one in control. What you discover is that God uses rulers to accomplish his purposes so that Jesus comes in just the right place at just the right time because God governs over the governors. 
And you see the sovereignty of God on display. Also, you see here that Jesus was born to save the world. Notice it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And Luke is already hinting at the fact that Jesus has come for the world. Caesar will not save the world. Rome will not save the world. Jesus will save the world. Well, I have given you, separated the fact from the fiction. I've told you why Bethlehem. But maybe the most important thing is to learn this, the lesson of Bethlehem. The lesson of Bethlehem. And the lesson of Bethlehem is this. What we like to say when tourists come to town is this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he wants to live in your heart. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he wants to live in your heart. Sir, down here, yeah, do you have any idea what my favorite Christmas carol is? Oh, take a guess. Take a guess. No. A, 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 a Christmas carol, sir. Silent No. He's not too bright one here from Mishawaka. My name is Johan. What is, what, 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 what is my job, sir? I'm a tour guide. A tour guide of where, sir? Bethlehem. To, sir, where do you think my favorite Christmas carol might be? A tour guide from Bethlehem. Yes, a little town of Bethlehem. Thank you. Wonderful. Yes, give an applause to our... Great, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. You know how the words go. If you work your way down through the verses, you get to this wonderful little phrase where it says, meek heart still, receive him still, and the dear Christ enters in. What are meek hearts, souls will receive him still. The dear Christ enters in. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he wants to live in your heart. Now, I realize you might say, nobody can come live inside my heart. It's a figure of speech. But Jesus, he wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your King. He wants to be your Lord. Because the angels, when they appeared outside of Bethlehem, they said, unto you is born this day in the town of David a Savior. Unto you. Unto you. Even to you, sir, from Mishawaka. Unto you is born a Savior. The lesson of Bethlehem is that the child born in Bethlehem wants to live in your heart. Have you invited him in? Well, I hope you enjoy my tour. I know you want to go shopping. You want to eat lunch. You have things you want to do. You want to see the church of the nativity. 
But I appreciate you coming. And I hope now you have a better understanding of Bethlehem. But more importantly, I hope that you know that when you leave Bethlehem, you should leave with Jesus in your heart. Well, I'd like to pronounce a blessing before I go. So would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, Lord, we look at Bethlehem and we learn things about the Savior. But just like Jesus was born in that little village, I pray today that each heart that is here might have asked Jesus to come and be born in their hearts and to live in their lives as their Lord and Savior. Because, Lord, wherever meek hearts invite him in, he comes to live. So, Jesus, thanks for being the Savior that was born to me and to each person here who will receive him. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.